Welcome to another episode of the Evolution Exchange. Today, we will be talking about the benefits of freelancers, and this is a part one of a two-part special. Uh, here today, we've got Luis Cascante, who will be representing the client side of that conversation. Uh, Luis, do you mind introducing yourself? Yes, thank you, Paul. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Luis, and I am based in Stockholm. I am currently independent. Um, and I've been working for studios and companies on variety of roles. Um, a bit of myself, my background is technical, so I've been in uh, companies as a developer, but then on production, product, coaching, studio leadership, uh, basically anything related to like people, products, and organization. Um, I also kept things very diverse in terms of companies, so I've been working on like AAA. Uh, organizations like you know Ubisoft, Electronic Arts, uh, Mobile. I've been at King, Tokaboka, uh, and for the last sort of like ten years or so, I've been working on life services. So games that had a life component, uh, which sort of have become like my thing. People come to me usually when they they have a they have the thought of starting something that is related to live service or they have some challenges with a live service. Um, and uh, maybe more concretely, in the last maybe five years or so, I've been working also on products that are targeting kids. So an audience that is under 13 years old, which is uh, also my other thing. So people were like, oh yeah, uh, let's, let's talk about games for kids. They, they usually know that I have a lot to say. And um, I am currently uh, the chief of staff for a mobile games company here in Stockholm. And yeah, I, I mean, we could just keep talking in the industry for many, many years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. No, so like I say, first of all, we're going to be talking about the um, benefits of freelancers, but just for those listening in. Yes it's worth mentioning your experience of working with them uh, from a starting point. So when and how, when have you been using um, and what's your, been, what's your experience been working with freelancers so far? Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, I mean, I think I have a hard time remembering when not working with freelancers, I would say. Um, but maybe myself as someone actually actively hiring freelancers and bringing them into the organization, working with them, maybe from like 2015 and I think it has accelerated a lot in the past few years. It's been a lot more common in maybe the last four or five years. Um, again, I am often the, the hiring manager, um, mm -hmm. but I have also been the person who is supporting others, defining the needs and, and conducting the search. Um, when, especially when they don't have the experience, sometimes it's it's a bit daunting. They're like, oh, you want me to um, go for a freelancer? How do I do that? Who do I contact? Um, and sometimes people are very busy. So um, maybe I enjoy recruitment a bit too much. I don't know, I'm <laughs> one of those people. But um, I also think that um, if you are in a leadership position, then recruitment is the role. It's, 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 it's a big part of the role, and, and we have to rely on everything that we can including freelancers, of course. Um, and what's the, been your experience uh, when working with them? 
as a, like an individual, would you say that you're an advocate for working with freelancers? Mm-hmm. Like what's been your overall experience from a success rate, so to speak? Yes. Maybe I've been good at recruiting freelancers, but I haven't had maybe a couple of times we have had an experience where uh, the person was not truly the match that we were like looking for. Uh, but in general, very positive. Um, I think uh, we can talk about, you know, how how we can, you know, go through the recruitment. But one of the things that I actually do is um, try to figure out, is this person someone that I want to work with, like that I think the rest of the organization that I'm working with will actually enjoy working with? Yeah. And if the answer is no, then we don't bring that person in. So uh, usually very enjoyable. Um, there is usually when you hear about freelancers, consultants, there is a bit of this, you know, they're mercenaries, they're not missionaries. Um, but I have to say that in, in a lot of cases, they um, they have demonstrated actually quite a lot of passion, uh, especially I was telling you, like in the last few years, I've been working in products for kids. Um, yeah. A lot of the freelancers that are coming, they are actually targeting our company. They're like, hey, you know, you are doing something that is values driven. I... Uh, or I really like your product, or my kids like your product, and and I think it will be fun to work together. And and then we go through that recruitment, and we understand yes, this could be a fit, um, even if it's a short-term engagement. Uh, it's those people actually become part of the company, and it's 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 quite interesting that you say that yeah. because obviously gaming being a passion industry maybe yes, exactly. freelancers yeah. in the gaming industry are quite different to freelancers outside of the gaming industry that mm-hmm. gig that like gig culture so to speak but you know in the gaming industry because it is so driven by passion that maybe the freelancers themselves are also you know like a very different breed of individual at the same time yes um yeah maybe that's the case uh in uh, when I've been leading like production or product, um, sometimes I like to bring people that are not necessarily strong in their gaming background. And um, obviously, if I have the chance to bring in someone that is a domain expert and is also um, uh, an expert in their craft in, the, in that particular domain, then that's that's the best. But yep. if I have to choose, I will actually choose someone that is an expert in their craft, in their domain. Um, and if they don't have the background, I understand that that's something that, you know, the entire company has the background. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to be able to support that person. Yep. Um, and it will take maybe, uh, I don't know, a month or, or a bit like that in order to to bring that person. But if it's a challenging role, then it's it, it makes sense. And there is a lot of people that are actually curious about um, gaming. So they're like, hey, I've been trying to, I'm, I'm hearing about gaming. It's a different vibe. People, um, usually in gaming, you have the challenge that people are already motivated by by the work that they're doing. So the, the challenge is a bit different. It's more about how to channel all that energy into something that is actually productive and efficient and effective. Yeah. I'm finding that um, more as well. You know, a lot yeah. of people that obviously we're on the other side of the fence from yeah. actually finding the candidates and so on. And we're finding a lot of people that are trying to break into the gaming industry as well. So, yeah, you know, it's definitely interesting. So when 
would you personally use a freelancer or what has your experience been like mm-hmm. what times have you needed to bring somebody in when freelancing was either the best choice or the only choice that you had yeah um i guess the short answer is when you have a you know a talent gap so it can be a, a short term mid term i probably don't recommend like if you identify a long term talent gap then maybe you you want to go for a full time employee um but but when you have that that short term talent gap and and the challenge it represents actually justifies the need to bring someone and someone asks early as possible then just go for it so um i was thinking about some of the situations that have been and uh, where i actually needed maybe a freelancer and it's been where i don't know um someone that was key is leaving the company and we understand that finding a good replacement is going to take like i don't know five six months if we're lucky especially in sweden um <laughs> where people have like three months of notice and uh, yeah so it's, it's it's a challenge um and then also i don't really want the workload uh if if, if they're key they usually have a big like a, a big workload and i don't want that to go to other people in the team and creating a burden for for a sustained period of time maybe it's, if it's a short period then that's okay but for a, for a long period it's going Rest to be a situation situations yeah yeah so then i i would just go and try to find someone to fill that gap um then we also had situations where teams were blocked teams were blocked because they lacked some specific skill and they couldn't deliver on whatever work they were doing um and then it is actually pretty worth to find someone to bring um, unlock that entire team and um and, and continue the the delivery of whatever it is that you're working on uh then situations uh where i don't know maybe you um we didn't know the the long term need that well so maybe uh there was uncertainty about what is coming next um and getting a freelancer for a short term is actually giving us uh, first uh, a, a device to mitigate the risk, but also time and space to learn about the future so that we can actually hire someone full time, but with more confidence that we are actually on the right track. That's a big one that like if you're not sure what's coming next is always. Yeah. But the need is still there for the person, but you don't know exactly what type of skill set to bring yes. in because obviously you don't know what's coming that's kind of like a big one that we get as kind of like push back on the need sometimes for a consultant mm-hmm. so do you mind just going into a bit more detail there about if yeah absolutely um i mean you can hear a lot of horror stories about you know you have been through a recruitment for a few months and then you find someone that someone lives somewhere else not in this country you relocate that person and then three months in you realize we don't have this need anymore like we maybe were launching a game that is not really going to become a thing because it went through a soft launch and the the kpis didn't line up so then we have to i don't know scale down uh and then that person that came in last and it's still on probation is all of the sudden stranded and i think it's, it's from an ethical standpoint and uh, that's that's a problem so why don't you go through the soft launch to the point where you feel more confident that this is going to 
workout. And this is, you're, you're achieving your product market fit and you know that you are going to grow this thing. That's the moment where you actually bring someone. Yeah. Then, um, maybe other situations where you might be, um, I don't know, at the end of a project, but you don't know exactly what are the opportunities that are coming, especially if you are in the India space where you are relying on publishers to, um, uh, bring something new to, to your table. Um, it can be a risky situation. So, uh, but people might leave the company. Um, you can't control that. And then what do you do in that case? Are you hiring someone full time or are you getting someone, um, that, you know, can actually do the job until you get the sentence, the certainty that you will have a business for them. And, and sometimes it's, it's just, you know, from, from a, from a recruitment standpoint, we hear a lot, you need to recruit for what you need in the next 12 months, not for what you need today. And, um, I wish a lot of people or more people would follow that advice <clears throat> because, um, I absolutely agree with that. You usually hire for uh, a long-term engagement, uh, you hire in a, a lot of cases for the potential and for a longer term relationship. So you need to look at that time, time horizon. It's like 12 months, uh, maybe six months if you, but, yeah. but sometimes you don't know what's coming. Uh, you are operating in a very uncertain environment and you don't know. So, um, if you have a need right now, um, and a gap, then just bring someone in. I don't know if I went into... Yeah, yeah. No, it's perfect. Yeah. yeah. Are there any... I mean, because we run into some of the more, like, less project-specific needs as well. So sometimes mm -hmm. people have a sick leave and paternity leaves tend to be quite common. Uh, yeah, um, of course. For yes. requ requisitions for us. And they're very, like, s strict um, spaces of time where you know that you're going to need that person for, like, six, mm -hmm. nine, 12 months, in a sense. Yeah. There's a very finite contract length as well. But then also, leaves are very common. Yes. Very. Yes. And they're long in duration as well. And you've got to make mm -hmm. the decision on bring somebody in to fill that gap. Or you have the option of, are you just going to let that team take on the extra workload for that extended period of time, which yeah. again brings its own risks to the table. If you're, you know, making people work that extra amount, you know, are you, what are you asking from them? Are you asking more responsibility and are they not getting any pay to reflect that? Are you making mm -hmm. them work an extra two hours a day? Like, how does that affect their work-life balance at the same time? So yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. When thinking about this, I also thought about the experience gap. So sometimes, um, you lack someone at the level you need to develop your junior talent. Like that happened a lot on, on some of the organizations have been because we struggle to attract, uh, people that could mentor other people. And, um, and maybe we have, uh, too many junior employees, which were fantastic, but then you want to know how to develop them. You might be thinking about, um, sending them to some trainings, but those trainings are usually disconnected from the reality of the day to day. So bringing someone that can actually learn about the needs and that can act as a mentor. Um, even for the short term is actually very valuable. And sometimes those people, what we do is, is, um, they, they come in, they do some work, they establish that trust relationship, they understand the business and then they go and they continue to coach, but maybe it's a few hours a week. Um, mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. Very cool. Oh, and then is the access to talent in other countries. So yeah. the, the, the especially uh, these days with the more remote yeah. uh, flexibility exactly. that's going on. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one of the other big reasons that we have on bringing in that kind of like mentorship role as well is if you do have that open headcount on the team, you know, when you're thinking about who's going to be the best person to onboard that individual, if you mm-hmm. overlap that person's onboarding with the the final month of that person's contract, so to speak literally yeah. the perfect the consultant doing the job who that full-time employee is taking over for is literally just going to be telling them this is exactly what i do every single day and they're the perfect yes. person to onboard them because yeah. there are questions about what am i doing on a day-to-day basis that person's 100 percent going to have and obviously questions around cultural fit and you know a bit more about the company itself that's probably going to come from your team lead or hr and, and xyz yeah. but a lot of the time for the onboarding, you get a buddy who does something a little bit different. Do you know what I mean? But having mm-hmm. someone on that's actually in that role to onboard, who's yeah. done that for the past six months, it's invaluable um, and saves a lot of time and resources. Yeah, that's definitely something to keep in mind, especially like, yes, I I don't think I've been in a situation where I brought someone in for a full-time position and then... On the same day, I dismiss the consultant. It's usually like at the minimum two weeks overlap and and probably a month. 100%. Yeah. yeah. So obviously we discussed the when, but also the how. So now, mm-hmm. like when it comes to how you work with freelancers yeah. and how you onboard them, there's, I'm sure in your experience that you've had different cases on how companies have treated freelancers and how they've onboarded them, the experience that the freelancer has had. Uh, yeah. Um, what would you say is the, what have you seen to be the, giving you the best results when it comes to working with freelancers? How best to use them? Mm-hmm. Um, I think working with freelancers, uh, first of all, it, uh, in order to have a really good experience, you have to go through the process of identifying that need, that gap. So, so I think it starts when we are actually looking for them. Um, um, it's not really about throwing bodies at a problem. Is is um, it's about being strategic about who you actually bring. Um, because if you really understand the why, why do we want this person? Why does this role exist? Uh, what are they going to do on a day-to-day? Like if, if you cannot answer those questions, then during the recruitment process, then when they actually on board, they're going to find themselves like, well, I'm a bit lost. What is that you actually want from me? And and I think uh, freelancers in particular, consultants, they, um, they're usually, uh, the ones with experience, a lot of experience, they are usually um, very adaptable people that actually are coming to a place and they're quickly adapting to a new experience situation. And but I think that the thing that's actually helping do that is the fact that they are actually probably solving a pro- solving a problem. Yes. So it's the yeah. problem solvers in a lot of cases. Um, so the um, for the onboarding a part of the experience is is, is really having that clear idea of what is the problem that we're trying to solve with this person and then uh, offering that in very clear terms to to the person that is coming in. Um, the, um, I personally like to treat the uh, freelancer consultant as another employee. 
I know there are different degrees and, and obviously there are there's compliance and and, and yeah, some companies has restrictions. Exactly, some access restrictions in the vulnerable area. Yeah. Yes. Um, but but when it comes to the day to day and working with the rest of the team, then they are one of uh, one exactly one more member of the team. So so treating them uh, as such is actually a very good idea and and gives you the best results. To be honest. Um, I would say uh, candid feedback and clear direction is a must. Uh, obviously, it's, it's always good for everyone, not just consultants. Um, uh, but if, if you have a freelancer that is at an expert level and they are not getting things right, then it's not so much about them learning by failing and, and having that long-term like career development. It's like you need to tell them right away like that, you know, this is not working. And this is um, how we course correct this this situation, and um, and I think you can be very very direct because also they have been um, they're used to that experience there, and and they what they want is as much as possible to to keep the contract. So they are they're going to be very eager, willing, and eager to please you exactly. Yeah, how does that? Yes, so. And yes, there might be times where you realize uh, maybe this is not a good match, but then by giving this this feedback and clear direction, then you can learn that much faster than if you just fumble around. Yeah, yeah. But that's also a benefit. If you have that issue sometimes with onboarding of an employee, if after six, seven months, you realize that mm-hmm. it's not really the best fit. Obviously, that's taken a while, but there's a lot more things in place in, in Sweden, especially when it comes to off-boarding or I suppose is the word or uh, removing employees from the organization but if things don't work out with a freelancer then mm-hmm. you know it's obviously there's time and resources been spent in finding those people and placing those people but if it doesn't work out it's a lot easier mm-hmm. to get rid of a freelancer than it is an employee at the end of the day there are notice periods yes. in place which to protect them but also the company yes. at the same time so um, there is that yeah and the risk is exactly because the risk is also lower you can also be more adventurous during the recruitment so the recruitment is shorter and yeah. um, and uh, then i mean the recruitment is never bulletproof right but no. But yeah. no i mean you know you you've you've got to make a judgment call over what the best part of two hours of speaking with a person who's yeah. putting on their best version of themselves but the same goes for the client as well like sometimes the client gives the best version of themselves in a two-hour period but then the oh, yeah. consultant begins and it's just like <laughs> oh this is not what i thought the house is going through at the interview this is entirely different so it works mm-hmm. both ways it's basically the client trying to sell it's themselves to the consultant yeah. and the consultant vice versa so that's why the notice periods are there it's kind of like to limit the risk of for both parties at the same time yeah but um Obviously, a big thing when it comes to consultants, um, it's always a budgetary issue. It's always like the Mm -hmm. big thing that gets brought Mm -hmm. up. We don't have the budget. We can't afford it. But we're happy to wait six months and delay our targets and deadlines. You know, it's always a big thing. So from your experience on working with Mm -hmm. several companies, justifying the cost is always a big question and always asked of leaders within the organization that want to hire a freelancer, but don't always know how to justify the cost 
to their to their manager or even the CFO if it's a smaller studio. So mm-hmm. how do you justify the cost? Yeah. Um, well, obviously, we have already talked about understanding very well, being very strategic about why are you bringing this person. And, and I think that we'll also connect with outcomes that might be on your plate and and then not having that person is going to delay um, achieving those outcomes and, and enjoying the impact that you're trying to achieve with them. Um, so you are already doing some of the thinking when you are actually um, figuring out why would I actually bring someone. Um, and it can become sometimes a bit tricky because I think it requires leaders in, in organizations to grasp some concepts like, I don't know, cost of delay, um, are not things that are not always factored in like a strategy plans. So if, um, if the impact that achieving a particular outcome, um, is going to exceed the cost of having a freelancer, then that's an easy win. Right. Um, then sometimes it's not so much about the cost in terms of revenue, but it's also maintaining team morale. And it's like, if your team is blocked and they cannot release anything, then you are actually risking a group of people that sometimes it's like, I don't know, eight, nine, thir- nine, nine people that are blocked and you are not getting anything from them. So if you, if you go through the cost of having all these people still, <laughs> because they lack a key, um, capability, then, then it's, it's easy to justify the cost. Yeah. And if they um, aren't doing anything, they're just being blocked. So you're just spending exactly. all their wages for the weeks or months that they can't actually move forward to yes. all of that money on an individual basis. And mm-hmm. it soon adds up yeah. to the amount that you've paid for a freelancer anyway. Yes. Um, I always, uh, and actually in terms of optics, like I always discount that the cost of having someone in this role right now as a full-time employee will be this, the cost of a freelancer is this. So actually the difference is much less than the actual invoice yeah. that the freelancer is actually bringing you. Uh, at the end of the day, um, and um, and one thing is is also the impact on um, on your players. I, I I told you at the beginning that I've been in life services for like uh, almost ten years, so players don't care if you lack someone in your team. They 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 want to enjoy your service, um, and and you need to deliver the content and then keep it relevant with new features. So they want that next battle pass. <laughs> Right. Yes. So, and yeah, the, the, I mean, product market fit is ephemeral. So you, you need to continuously move and, and move very fast. Um, I would say, uh, my biggest win with, um, freelancers and something that I use as an example is a few years ago, we had a team that was blocked. They, they were unable to work on new features, which is, it was their mission and they lack some key competences, but also it was so hard for them to get things done that the rest of the organization were like, we don't want to work in this team. So nobody, nobody wanted to move to this, uh, to, to actually unblock, unblock them from in a more natural way without, without consultants. So actually we got three freelancers into this team. Um, they turned things around very quickly. Um, seemingly we were getting back traction. They boost the morale. They actually signaled to the rest of the organization that this team actually can do things and uh, they liked what they saw and they actually support them. So at the end, they launched uh, a key feature for, for this app in around, I think it was four, six months. 
and it was a massive success. It ended up generating over 30% of the revenue for the entire company, that particular feature. So that is a great success story. And it, uh, safe to it, say it, that the consultant paid for his, it wouldn't have been possible without those three people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Fantastic. So, and you know, we've worked with you and just, mm-hmm. not just myself, but other members of evolution have worked with you the past couple of years across a couple of companies as well now. So what's been your experience working with us? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I've been through all of you. <laughs> it has been quite a few, <laughs> but we've all got different areas and networks. Do you know what I mean? So if you are right, you know, yes, it's, it's a different person. So, yeah, but, um, uh, yeah, the first time that I heard about you was, um, actually from Stacy place at the Stars table and, and she was telling me, uh, we were working with Chris, uh, so Chris was starting the thing and, yeah, yeah. and she was telling me, you know, uh, this is actually awesome. They do everything. I don't have to book anything. <laughs> <laughs> so she was very happy. And then, um, and I think that maybe that's the, I think the service that you provide has been a key differentiator. Um, it actually helped the company um, come back to you repeatedly. Then we work with Sophie and then with you and then with Jordan and then with, yeah, Melanie and other okay. people. But the, um, um, it's, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it, you actually make things very easy for us, like in terms of the recruitment. Um, you, I think you do something very well. You probably know this, but it's like, you know, betting all the all the candidates um being super specific i try to be super specific when i recruit freelancers so it's like hey i know what you're going to ask me so it's like uh here is here is all the feedback is actually very very good uh lengthy detailed and it does help us do our jobs as well so yeah but also when we start the recruitment so super specific about what we need so it's not like the same spec that you will actually use for a full-time employee and 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 I also realized that when we haven't done that, because it's been someone else, then you actually get that person and you grill them. Like, like I want to be as specific as possible. You shorten the periods um, that we need in order to to bring someone in um, greatly because of that. And like you're laser focused. And I think that at this point, you have the biggest network uh, when it comes to gaming. So, so yeah, it's... Um, and it's, it's always a pleasure, and you guys are a lot of fun. So, uh, likewise, Lewis. Brilliant. And there is there is another thing because I'm independent now. I know how you actually treat the consultants. So that also gives me. Um, this is important because we actually partner with some firms that uh, actually were not so kind and not. I don't know. We. We really didn't like how they treated the the talent, so we stopped doing business with them. Um, while right now I actually have a hands-on experience of being on the other side, and I know that gives me a lot of trust. Uh, but that trust was there for like from the beginning, anyway. Fantastic, yeah. means a lot. Cheers, Lewis. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, and thank you for jumping on and yet again another episode mm-hmm. of uh, yeah. <laughs> no, thank you for having me. This Cheers. was fun. Thank you.